We don't have to say, hey, Bubba. Uh, you know, that fits in almost every situation in East Texas. But it's great to know your names. And uh, so thank you so much for wearing those name tags. Thank you. Last week, our first Building for Eternity Giving Day, uh, more than 66000 almost seven, almost $67,000 came in for that. And we praise the Lord for that. Uh, I know some of y'all missed church last Sunday because you knew it was a giving day, uh, but you'll have another chance on March the 15th. We'll have another giving day, and then you'll have another chance on the Easter resurrection, April the 12th, and then you'll have another chance on the last Sunday of June when we wipe out the debt completely for that children's building, and I praise God for that. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, verse uh, 13. And uh, we just think this morning, <clears throat> as we incorporate deacon ministry into church and worship and the book of Matthew, I just ask you this morning, do we really believe the church is worth saving? Is it really worth saving? Beginning in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee also that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you for these two men and their families. I pray, God, your hand would be upon them and bless them in a supernatural, divine way. Thank you for the rest of our deacons and wives and families who are so faithfully to serve you and to serve this church. And I pray you'd bless them in a special way. Now for this service this morning, oh God, would you hide me and let folks see Jesus lifted up this morning. Lord, would you let your word be proclaimed boldly and then, Father, would the power of your Holy Spirit fill this place. And during the invitation time, people could not reject what you have called them to do. We're praying for a wonderful service to honor and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I suggest to you this morning, if you're looking for a cause, if you want something to be exciting, you need to join Woodland Hills Baptist Church. It's the most exciting place I know anything about. Uh, I'm meaning and worth to your life. You never know what's going to happen next. If, if, if one thing about it, no one can accuse this place of being dull or boring, amen, because you have no idea what's going to happen next. Now, some people today are saying the church is on its way out, and I know what they're understanding, what they're meaning, and I just grin at them and say, you're exactly right. The church is on its way out. I knew it was on its way out. They're dead, you know I said, oh, no, we're on our way out. One of these days, the Lord's going to shout, and we're out of here, buddy. We're on our way out. 
That's what the church is. Jesus has sent the church back into this world to witness to this world about his second coming. Our motto here at this church for the last 15 years has been this, preparing people for the coming Lord. For some people in that place this morning, it's the same motto for everybody. For some of you this morning, what you need to do to prepare for the coming of the Lord is to be saved. I want to tell you, you're not ready to meet Jesus until you're saved. But listen, some of you this morning, though, uh, what you need to prepare yourself to meet the Lord would be just to maybe repent of a harbored sin, unforgiveness, those kinds of things. You're not ready to meet Jesus if you've got unrepentant sin in your life. And so we're, we're wanting to prepare people. And the church in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not just talking about Woodland Hills. I thank God for this church, but sometimes we get in trouble when we compare ourselves to other churches. We say, well, bless God, we're doing better than the church down the road. Well, that ain't saying nothing. That's nothing. If we want to compare ourselves this morning, let's compare ourselves to what the Lord wants from a church, what he expects from a New Testament church. I've told this story before, but I love it. I heard about two brothers who were thieves, rascals, drunkards, extortionists, strong-armed men. They were terrible. They were terrible. Anything you could say about them wasn't bad enough. They were just that wicked and bad. One of the brothers died, and the preacher's thinking all the time. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes folk die around me, and I think, thank God I ain't got to preach that funeral. You know, but this preacher's saying, I ain't got, well, that brother came to that preacher and said, look, I need somebody to preach my brother's funeral. He said, yeah, he said, well, let me just tell you what the deal is. If you preach my brother's funeral and tell the congregation that he's a saint, I'll give you $1,000. Now, there's one thing preachers respond to. <laughs> and $1,000 is a lot of money, whether it was 20 years ago or, or yesterday. He said, all right, I'll do it. The whole town turned out. How in the world are you going to tell the congregation that that man in that casket is a saint? And so they all gathered around, and there was a funeral, and man, there he was in that casket. The minister stood up, and he said, I'm not going to lie to you. This man right here is wicked. He's a pervert. He's a thief. He's a murderer. But compared to his brother over here, he's a saint. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well... We can compare ourselves with others and we feel pretty good. But the bottom line is we're not comparing to others. We're comparing to Jesus. There are several things here in Matthew chapter 16 I want to just point out. There is a saving faith of the church. Jesus was there at a beautiful place called Caesarea Philippi. Over on the side, the right side, there's Mount Hermon there with snow top on, on top of it there. And it's a beautiful place there. And he's there with them, and they've just gotten back. And, and he asked them a question. And he said, who do, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some men say that you're Elijah. Some men say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah. Others say that you're some other prophet. And then he looks at them straight eye to eye. And he said, who do you say I am? See, that's the question of the day. Who do you say I am? And Peter, he looked at him and said, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, that's right, Peter. But now let me tell you, Peter, don't get puffed up about this because you didn't figure it out on your own. Woo, we better be careful now. Sometimes when we, God shows us something and we do it, we kind of swell up and get arrogant. We ain't had nothing to do with it. 
Peter, you, you did the right answer, but flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you. My Father in heaven revealed it to you. And uh, then he went on and, and uh, he, he said, uh, you're Peter. That word Peter means a small rock. But upon this rock, a bigger rock, I'm going to mean, I'm going to build my church. Now let's look at that saving uh, uh, conviction here, first of all. It's a personal conviction about Christ. He said, who do you say I am? It's very personal. And may I ask you that same question today, what you need to determine in your life today. Because I'm going to be honest with you. If Jesus is not who he says he is, if he's not the one that this book is all about and it's all true, then I want to tell you what, we're all whistling Dixie. We as well all go home. But if he is, who do you say he is this morning? What, what are you going to do about him this morning? I'm not asking you what Charles Hunt says. I'm not asking you what Woodland Hill says. I'm asking you, what is Jesus to you? Who do you say he is? What do you think? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And he said, that's right. That's right. My father showed it to you this morning. And I want to tell you, if you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, what you need to do is lay your intellectual uh, ability beside yourself. And you need to put your arrogance beside yourself. And you need to put all of your personality of who you think you are beside yourself. And you need to humble yourself and say, Lord Jesus, I need you this morning. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. And let God speak to you. It's not going to come by education. It's not going to come by a preacher. It's going to come when the Holy Spirit of God reigns you in to be saved this morning. My preaching will never convince anybody. Uh, it's only the Holy Spirit. So it is a personal conviction about Christ. But it's not only a personal conviction, it's a personal confession. Listen, Peter not only believed it, he said it. He said it uh, openly, publicly. Our scripture last month that we memorized uh, whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. But Jesus said, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. That's the reason we have an invitation. A lot of churches don't have invitations anymore. They don't do that. And, and it, sometimes it gets negative. I mean, you preach your heart out, you sing your heart out, you have an invitation, nobody even comes. You're saying, well, why are we doing this? Well, the invitation is above our pay scale. I'm not here to see how many get down the aisle in invitation. I'm going to give you the truth. What you do with it, that's between you and the Holy Spirit of God. If you want to sit there and say, Lord, I don't want none of that, then you walk out and don't want none of that. But it may be that just God has a, uh, the Holy Spirit's power is so strong on you that you have to say, yes, I want to come. Let me just tell you that I'll share this with you. You're not going to slip into heaven unnoticed. Those who are unashamed are not going to slip into heaven. Several years ago, my wife and I, a doctor, a dear friend of ours, we were on a witnessing team, and we were there to this young lady, and we witnessed and knocked on her door one night, and she turned just white as a sheet, but she did let us come in. We told her who we were. And she said, I got a phone call. Let me go finish my phone call and I'll come back. We're sitting in her living room. And uh, she said, my mama lives up in Maine and this doctor we were with is from Maine. And uh, she's really, she said, I was on the phone with my mama. And my mama, I was telling her, I want to be saved, but I'm not sure how to be saved. I don't, I've got some questions. 
And her mama tried to explain it, and she said, Honey, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pray that God has sent somebody by your house to show, show you how to be saved. And at that very moment, we knocked on the door. Well, she was white as a sheet. I mean, she got saved. You couldn't have run her out. I mean, she was ready. She was ready. And she got saved that night. She said, if y'all would wait just 30 minutes. My husband is a manager at a local store. You're going to be home. I've, you've got to wait 30 minutes. So we waited. We drank coffee and waited. He listened. He said, I'm not ready. Not ready. I sent another crew by there. No, not ready. Another crew, not ready. On the fourth time, two of my deacons, one of them was... Uh, uh, Jamie Roberts, and I can't remember the second one there. I said, guys, we need to go see this guy. Oh, Brother Charles, we done been over there. He, he knows what he needs to do. I said, humor me and go one more time, just one more time. And uh, so they went, and he got saved that night, got saved. But they came back, and they said, we know what you preach, preacher, and according to you, he probably didn't get saved. And I said, well, because he said, I got saved, but I'm not walking down that church in front of everybody. Not going to do it. Big guy, twice as big as I am. I was thinking, by God, bless God, if he got saved, how am I going to baptize him? I mean, <laughs> my soul have mercy. So anyway, I said, well, we'll just leave it in God's hand. That Sunday morning, I finished preaching. He was sitting over here about where Mark is over there. He come flying. He didn't, he flew down the aisle. To, now you say, what changes that? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ changes that. See, if, if your religion hadn't got you changed yet, you probably need to change your religion. Because when Jesus comes into your heart and into your life, what a wonderful change in my heart has been wrought once since Jesus came into my heart. And, of course, I've told this story before, but three weeks later, he passed away in his sleep in a hotel room in Woodlands. I never even got to baptize him. But I want to tell you something. It's a personal confession of Christ. You need to publicly confess it. The scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And it's Matthew 10, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Romans 10, 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's a personal conviction. It's a uh, personal confession and then that leads through a personal conversion. It's between you and the Lord. Your granddaddy can't save you. Your grandmama can't save you. The deacons can't save you. It's between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said to this man whose name was Simon, si you know what Simon, Simon means unstable. Brother, that was a good term for, for Peter. He was about as unstable as you could get. I mean, he shot from the hip. You never knew what he was going to say or what he was going to do. Uh, Simon, unstable. But Jesus said, I'm going to say to you that thou art Peter. He's going to give him a new name. He said, you're going to be Peter. Petros means rock. Here's one who had been so unstable that the devil could sift through him and swing him from one side to the other, back and forth. But now he is a rock. He doesn't get a piece. Listen to me. He don't get a piece of the rock. He is a piece of the rock. That's what he's saying here. And the Lord literally changes us from the inside just as he did Simon Peter. If any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, he is a new creature, a new creature. To be saved is not just to join a church. It's to be changed. It ought to be to be changed. So we've got the personal conviction, a personal confession, and then a personal uh, conversion. 
The church has made up of people who are called out. Ecclesia is the Greek word for it. Now, I'm going to be very careful what I say here. Uh, I think it was Adrian Rogers. I'm not sure. But somebody has said, what started out as a sheepfold has become a zoo. And I understand that in the church, we're not to be judging folks whether they're saved or not. It's hard to tell the wheat from the tares. Amen? That's hard. But I want to tell you the truth of the matter is, it ain't very hard to tell a sheep from a goat. And this, this church is a called out group, an ecclesia, called out ones that are sheep. And the Lord Jesus Christ is our shepherd. Now, I'm not saying, well, I know a couple of old goats in the church. I do too. I really do. We get together and, and you know, share that. But I'm just telling you, I'm not saying run the goats out. All I'm telling you is you ought to be able to tell a goat from a sheep. And in our church today, our churches have become meeting places to do anything you want to do and still be a part of the Baptist church. And I'm telling you, that's not right. It's not right. Those who are ashamed to confess Jesus Christ as the son of the living God, and because of that, we've been changed radically and dramatically. We are the church. Then I see a divine formation here of the church. I love this. He said, Peter, you're right. I'm Christ, the son of the living God. You've confessed it. You're not ashamed of me. And he says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. No, I love that. Jesus said, I'll build my church. Hallelujah, I, I've not been called to build this church. These deacons down here have not been called to build this church. He said, I will build my church. This ain't your church. This is his church. I'll build my church. I, not, now, here's a glorious thing. We're not here to build the church. We're here to minister to the people, and Jesus does the building. He doesn't say, I'll build your church. He said, I'll build my church. And uh, that means the church can't fail. Amen. You can go ahead and rest assured. You say, well, I don't know if this thing's going to fly or not. It's going to fly because Jesus can't fail. Right. It's his church. Amen. So it's a saving faith of the church, a divine formation. Then there's a solid foundation. Upon what? This rock, I'll build my church. Now, some people think the rock is Simon Peter because Jesus calls Peter rock, but it's really, he's got to play on words here. Rock is a, a different Greek word than the rock he's going to build his church on. He's, he's making a play on words. Uh, he's saying, I'm going to build my church on the rock. It's like a rock mountain. What Jesus is saying here is, I'm going to build my church on myself. I am the rock. I'm the foundation. And I'm going to use other little rocks like you and you and you and you to build on the foundation of the rock is what he's saying here. Thank God I don't have to look back to some ancestral priest to look for my authority, I look up to the living God. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For under other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So it's a saving faith of the church. I think that's worth saving. It's a divine formation. It's his church. He'll build it his church, his way. It's a foundation. And then I can't help but see here a sweet fellowship. Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my ecclesia. Now, that's the word, literally means my called out ones. Every race, every kindred, 
Every tribe, every nation, rich, poor, young, old, black, white, doesn't make any difference. So many church gurus, they hadn't got brains. If they, if God hemmed them up in an elevator, they wouldn't know it was him. Uh, all our church gurus saying today, don't, just don't major it. What you got to do is target your group. We want people in this church who are 29 to 49. Those are the ones we want. Hogwash. Hogwash. We want people who love Jesus Christ or who are uh, condemned sinners who need to come and be saved. Doesn't matter how old you are. Listen, when you find a church that don't love old people, you tell them send them down Woodland Hills. I love old people. You know, well, you know why I love old people? Most of them are deaf. You can say anything you want to and they never hear it. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I love old people. I love young people. I want to tell you, Jesus loves everybody. And this church is a sweet fellowship. You can be the head of the, the IRS. God help them. Uh, 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 big shot sitting right next to the one that's working down here driving a, a maintenance truck. I mean, that's because we're in the family of God. It doesn't matter what we are in life. It matters who he is in life. And he's called us out. The, 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 a lot of folk, I want to tell you something. I woke up this morning with the hives thinking, whoo, what if that building... Uh, burns over here before we get it fixed. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, ooh, you're talking about a gut punch. Man, Biden hadn't heard what a gut punch is. If that building burned, uh, but I want to tell you something, if that building over there burns before we move into it, the church going to move on. That ain't the church. That's a building. This ain't the church. This is the building. You're the church inside here. The called out, ecclesia, the sweet fellowship. Uh, Peter understood exactly what he said later on in 1 Peter 2, 5. He spoke to his brothers and sisters and said, Ye also as lively stones, that means living stones, are built upon a spiritual house. You see, Christ is the foundation. And, and then we build on that foundation and he takes all of us, you, 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 and he puts us together. Let me tell you something. You can take a brick and you can move it pretty easy. Ernest T. Bass can do wonders with a brick. One brick. But you put all them brick together and you try to move it. You ain't going to move it. This is the church of the living God. We're built together. We're a stone and we're stone on stone and we're bound together. And uh, that's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, well, let me move on here. Y'all pray for me. I lost my iPad at Love Field yesterday. I'm trying to learn to turn pages again. I tell you. <laughs> oh, have mercy, Lord Jesus. Well, we've covered the faith, and we've covered the formation, and we've covered the foundation and the fellowship. What is the future of the church? Is it worth saving? Well, the future says, Thou art Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church. Then he says something. Throws, oh, have mercy, it makes a backslidden Baptist want to shout. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's talking about the future of the church. We've got enemies. Brother Matt said a while ago, as you two young deacons here, you mark it down. The devil's got a target on your back. I guarantee he'll zero in on you. If he can't get you, he'll get your wife. If he can't get your wife, he'll get your children. If he can't get your children, he'll get anybody around you that you associate with. He's not saying, I love this, the gates of hell shall not prevail against He is not saying that the church will survive. <laughs> Amen? He's not saying we're going to survive. 
He's saying we're going to thrive. We're not just here to hold, hold on. We're holding on. There's even some gospel songs like that. Hold on. Man, I ain't holding on. I'm charging forward. That's what he tells us here. He's saying that the church will thrive. We're not going to be on the defensive. We're going to be on the offensive. We need to go forward reaching people. Uh, whether you're a deacon or a life group leader or a member of this church, with Samson, armed with his strength, carried away the gates of Gaza. But I want to tell you something. When Jesus went to that tomb and he stepped out on that ground, he carried away the gates of hell. And so we're not, it's not going to prevail against us. The church is not temporary. The church is permanent. Uh, everybody's trying to find something to belong to. I mean, there's motorcycle club, rum, 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 some of y'all in that. That's wonderful. I love that. There's mountain climbing clubs. There's poetry clubs. I mean, people sit around and read that stuff all day long, poetry clubs. Uh, I, but I want to tell you, you, you want something exciting. You throw your heart into the New Testament church, and you let God get a hold of you, and, and you understand that you're not here temporarily. What you determine here, what we determine here, determines what we're going to do in eternity. And then the sacred function of the church. He said, Peter, I'm going to build my church. And then he says this, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Ooh, anybody here remember when you first gave your teenager the key to the car? <laughs> Man, they took that key and they plugged that thing in. Even if it was an old family sedan, they were thrilled to have a car, amen? They plugged that key in that thing. See, when you got a key, it shows authority. You in charge of that car. Amen? <laughs> but that key doesn't only show authority. That key also shows responsibility. You remember when you gave your child a key to the house and said, now you come home, get off the bus, come straight home, go in the house, lock the door, turn on the television, fix your little snack, whatever. You had a key that was authority, but it was also responsibility. Don't burn the house down until mom and daddy get home. I mean, there's some responsibility there. We have the keys to, to heaven here. He gave us those keys. We have the authority. Peter said, and you're in my church, and I'm going to build my church, but here's the way I'm going to build my church. I'm going to use you, and I'm going to use you, and I'm going to use you. Listen, never let it be said that somebody said at Woodland Hills, there's just nothing I can do. Ooh, don't you let me hear you say that. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> you realize you've been given the keys just like Simon Peter. We have the authority based on the Lord Jesus Christ, but we also have the responsibility to spare and share the seeds of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to get into a grow emphasis here just shortly after this building is finished. Andrew Murray said this, I'm quoting, there are two classes of Christians, soul winners and backsliders. Two classes. Now, there's 700 people in this place right now. 700. If you and I in this place right now took 365 days, 52 weeks, and won one person, just one, ain't nobody asking you to do 15 or 20, just one. Hello, just one. They were saved and discipled. A year from now, there would be 1,400 of us. Amen? 
And then if we did another one the other year, it worked so well that time, let's do it one more time. A year from then, we'd have 2,800 people in this place. If we did it one more time, we would have 5,600 people. And one more time, we'd have 11,200. And five years from now, we wouldn't be worried about raising a million dollars because there'd be 22,400 of us in here. Just one. One a year. One a year. Folks, I don't think Christianity has failed. What I think is it, it, we've not been trying it for a long time. You're going to tell me that we can pray and we can weep and we can love and we can yearn and we can learn and we can listen and we can't bring one soul to Jesus in a year's time? Can't do it. Mm, yeah, you can. The function of the church is that we have been given the keys to the kingdom. And because we have the keys of the kingdom, we have the authority of the kingdom, and we have the responsibility to improve the kingdom and inform the kingdom. Now, who is Jesus? I jotted down what humanity says about Jesus. If you ask the Jehovah Witnesses who is Jesus, they're going to tell you Michael the archangel is no other than the only begotten son of God who's now Jesus Christ. Fact, period. If that hacks you off, get them to change it. That's what they believe. If you ask the Mormons, they're going to say, Jesus, our elder brother, was forgotten in the flesh. That's what they believe. If you ask Islam, they're going to say, Jesus was no more than a mortal whom Allah favored and made an example. If you ask the Hindu, he's going to say, Jesus is just one of a million gods. If you're going to ask the people living all around you, some think he's a good man. Some think he's a good teacher. I have people tell me, I believe Jesus was a good teacher. Well, you don't believe him, though. You, can you tell me that a liar is a good teacher? I mean, if Jesus isn't who he said he is, and you don't believe that, how can he be a good teacher? He's lied to you. He, he is a good People hold all kinds of, of uh, ideas. We could ask heaven who they think Jesus is. We'd get some wonderful answers. But the real question this morning, who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? See, uh, <laughs> humanity cannot help me determine what I think about Jesus. Heaven can't help me determine what I think about Jesus. But this morning, if you ask yourself this question, if the Lord were sitting here right beside you, eye to eye, who do you think I am? What would you say? Well, now, Lord, I'll tell you, we, we think you're a good God. <laughs> you're a good, good Father. It's who you are. Yeah, we know that. But who do you say that I am? One thing you get as you get older, you get a little bit wiser. Sometimes you're not very smart with it, but you get a little bit wiser. And I'll tell you, the older I get, the more I realize that it's not what people say, it's what people do. And I realize something else, too. I know there's, you're sitting here this morning. There's some of you saying, Lord, I'm doing all I can do. I've just got this. Hey, I, I know that. I, I've got dance school. I've got Little League. I've got uh, soccer. I've got piano. I've got drama. I've got Christy. If you don't go to Christy's school, she gets hot. So I've got that, too. And I've got all of this stuff. Who you say Jesus is? What priority does he have in your life? 
this morning, I want to tell you who he is. If you're here today and you're lost without Christ, just like Jonah shared, just like Danny shared, Jesus to you is the Savior of your salvation. Not temporary, but for eternity. And he offers you to come to him. If you're here this morning, you need a church home. There's not a better church this side of heaven. I'm not saying it's the best. There's others that are good. I know that. But I want to tell you, this is a pretty sweet fellowship right here. Pretty sweet fellowship. And I don't know whether God wants you here or not, but I do know this. God wants you somewhere. Don't come up in here with that cop-out play about, well, I can be a Christian and not go to church. <laughs> That's about the most ridiculous thing I have heard. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't do it. Father, Every one of us in this place are answering in our own way right now. As you ask us, who do you say I am? Lord, we'd all jump on that and say, Lord, like, like Peter, Lord, you're the, you're the son of the living God. We know that. But according to our actions, according to what we're going to do this afternoon and this next week, who do we really say you are? Dear Lord, I'd ask you right now, as we prepare for this invitation time, that your Holy Spirit would have control of every heart that's in this building. Have your way, Lord Jesus, and we'll praise you. And Lord, I'm asking you, don't let the devil have an inch in this place this morning. As the music begins and Brother Aaron begins to sing, Lord, I pray that people would stand up and they would come forward at this altar to be saved, to join this church to just ask forgiveness of their sin. Lord, whatever needs to happen, have your way right now in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Lead us, brother, and stand with us as we... Because he lives.